Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. So we've got to do that more. Um, yeah, so great. I, I just think that, um, that some of the most simple things um, in the body of Christ are the things that God's calling us back to. I think we've complicated church so much, and it is just about Jesus, and it is just about uh, following Jesus with other people, right? So just loving on one another. I do want to say this, too. Um, while we, we do want to be a church where people are actually really growing in Jesus, and we're after that, especially this year, more than ever. Uh, I, I do want to say, though, that what the young adult group is doing, playing ultimate frisbee, eating, like, do you eat toaster strudels, or is it, what do you, there's a Hot Pockets or something? I don't know. They, they eat things, um, ramen. Uh, but, uh, but them just doing that, eating some fun food and having a good time together, Let, let's talk about, like, kingdom uh, for a moment. That is kingdom. That is a part of growing together. It is, it is not wrong or not unspiritual to hang out with people that you love and, and like. All right? So, um, you know, so it's really important. Just because you're not doing like a, a Bible study on, on end times does not mean that, you know, it does not mean that Jesus is not there having a good time with you all. So just want to encourage you, maybe, maybe God has it in, in your heart that you really want to help people grow and you want to really go after Jesus and follow Jesus more. I think one of the best things that you can do is just invite someone over to your house and have dinner with them and ask them questions and see where that goes, right? All right. Side note, somebody sent me a uh, Jesus is my homeboy shirt this week. I'm actually wearing it now. So yeah. You, 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 have to, you have to, if you want to see it, I, I don't want to be caught with it on camera. So uh, I will show you afterwards. And, and let me just give you a little peek. I don't know if this shows up. Like, do you see this? Do you see the Jesus? Right? That's just a little peek right there. So, yeah. Don't get excited. It's not chest hair, all right? So, but uh, guys, yeah, let's, let's posture our hearts for a second. Can you just kind of put your hands out on your lap maybe or just out to God and say, God, right now, just we put our hands over our heart and we, we just say, we want our heart to beat with yours. We just really want our heart to beat with yours. Um, we declare this 40-day fast coming up here starting Friday not a, an attempt to be liked by you. You already like us a whole lot. Um, but it's, uh, it's just we're posturing our hearts because we want to engage with you more, God. So I just pray, Lord, that you would do some great things in this moment, that this will be a marking moment, a defining moment in this house, another step forward after following you, and that you would bless every single person. Every person here would feel seen by you and called into uh, a greater, more joyous, hope-filled, faithful life with you, Jesus. And so we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, friends, if you have your Bibles, grab them, uh, open to the, book, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 4, and we are actually going to be in uh, John 4 and John 6 and John 7, all right? Not deeply in them, but there are some very important principles there. Um, actually, Keith, I, I left a book right next to Caleb. Could you? Thank you. Um, there's a there's a couple quotes, thank you. There's a couple quotes I want to read out of, out of this book a little bit too today. Um, but I want to talk about the posture in my heart, the, uh, the hope in my heart on why we would do a 40-day uh, prayer and fasting time. 
as a, as a Providence family. And we've never done it before. We've called, there's been seasons where we've called Providence to prayer, um, where we've, you know, maybe had special prayer services. Maybe we've had like a week of prayer. I remember back uh, in the earlier days, we'd have like, we'd do 24-7 prayer and people would sign up for, you know, 30 to 60 minute prayer slots, even all through the night and things like that. But God's really had it on our heart as a, as a leadership and, a, and on my heart to do 40 days of, of prayer and fasting, that this would be a really great season. We're, we're getting ready to go into our 14th year as a church. Um, and uh, October 27th is our birthday, and actually um, S- September 17th um, goes, you know, 40 days from there is October 27th. So this is how we're ending our 13th year and beginning our 14th, right? So th- th- this is the, you know, we're, we're going to have a good party. Or uh, Listen, little, little behind the scenes, this is a kind of little heads up. Our Providence birthday party is going to be October 31st. It's a Sunday, and so we're just going to come, and we're going to have a really great time. But what we're actually going to do at Providence leading up to our 14th year is we're going to, um, we're going to pray and fast and posture our hearts before God. And I, I really, I want us to have fun. I want us to be family. I want us to have a blast. I want to see really great things happening. But all of it is actually built on real connection with God. And I think that is, in my heart, my concern is that we have, or we are in danger of actually losing connection. I'm actually seeing that in my own life. I'm seeing that in my family some. I'm seeing it in the church family, that it is almost impossible if we don't admit that this past season has been traumatizing on a lot of levels, physically, spiritually. Um, you know, it's just, we, we could talk a lot about that. And actually admitting that and saying it has hurt is really important for us. It's not spiritual just to speed past it. If you speed past it, with, uh, then you're not healed. And we need to be healed of it, not just, just run away from it. Um, that as, as a society, we're used to just, you know, medicating our pain and just moving on, but that's not kingdom. Kingdom is you get healed and you move on healthily and whole, right? So I want us to move forward healthily and whole, and I think that 40 days of prayer has, um, has something to do with that in my heart. But can I be vulnerable with you just for a moment? Um, and I wanna mark a new season where I used to preach with a whole lot of vulnerability almost too much, and I almost, I've, I've shared too much in the past, and that's kind of gotten me into trouble. And then through my trauma and pain of this past season, I've kind of jumped right up here and kind of with a little, with a little bit of uh, frustration, I've just gotten right to work, open your Bibles, we dig into it, haven't told stories about my family, haven't told personal stories about how I feel much. Um, and that's just because I've been scared. Um, I've been scared of the opinions of people because people are brutal, you know, and I've just been nervous just to actually share how I'm feeling, share what I've actually gone through, um, because uh, in, a, in a day where people have the green light for some reason to share their opinion when it's not asked for um, is, uh, is hard. And so I just want to share, here's, here's etiquette, uh, etiquette uh, in the kingdom for when somebody gets vulnerable, um, that when somebody's vulnerable, that is not them asking for your opinion on what they've gone through, all right? So like if I, I've gotten vulnerable before and people have actually scheduled meetings with me to tell me what I should or shouldn't be doing and you know, you said that, I was like, that was me posturing my heart to try to share, share an experience or share pain or just let you know what I'm going through. I, I, I never asked you for advice. You know, and I think that these are days, like if you share on social media, this is what I'm going through, this is what I'm feeling, and then it's just like everybody thinks they can speak into somebody's life, but it's not helpful unless it was asked for, you know? So, but I'm going to kind of break this today, and I'm gonna tell you a failure of mine, 
and an attempt to be vulnerable and an attempt to start a new season right before we go into um, this fast. And I believe that this is the kind of thing that the Holy Spirit wants to put his finger on and begin to heal and begin to deal with. And it's actually a warning light like on the dash of a car. If, it's, if the oil light comes on, you don't keep driving or you, you kill your car. I think a lot of us have these lights that are coming on, like I'm about to share with you, and it's an invitation from God. God's like, I want to heal you right at that, at that place. All right? So I was, a few days ago, I had a, a meeting scheduled, and I was in um, jeopardy of being late for the meeting, and I needed to bring my girls to the meeting, and they were having trouble getting ready, and I, I hollered up the stairs, not, not necessarily with the heart of Jesus, more, more like, uh, more like <laughs> oh, this is your final chance, you know, and it kind of a little angry and stuff, and so I, I, was, I was rushing, I was rushing, and uh, only amateurs hurry, okay, um, and, uh, but I'm, I'm rushing the family, and I told the girls if you don't come right now, I'm gonna be late for my meeting, making it all about myself. I'm gonna be late for my meeting, you have to come right now. And so my daughter, Lena, who's eight, started hustling down the stairs before she put her shoes on, so she slipped with her socks on and she fell, okay? And then I, I saw, I wasn't a compassionate dad. I was like, honestly, as she's like, she wasn't like head over foot, like banging. She was, it's not like there was blood. It's just like, it was scary. She actually like a good girl hung onto the rail. She kind of bumped on her hiney, you know, so. Um, and I saw that she was okay, but the compassionate heart of Jesus was not filling my heart for her. I was actually frustrated that, oh, great, she's gonna cry and I'm gonna be late. Okay? <laughs> I don't want your emails. I'm just, I'm just sharing. I know. I promise. I know. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, what I did, and this is where it gets worse. Let me go worse with you for a moment. What I did was, once I knew that she was okay, I just turned and left. <laughs> I'm just looking at you in the eye just for a second. She's like, I did that. And then my, my, my wife had to pick up the pieces and minister the father's heart to my daughters. And then we had to make two trips to church and she just had to follow behind me with them. So in my, in my attempt to hustle and rush and be on time, because I have like pain trauma for being like five minutes late, that's just how Herndon's roll, guys. Like, you know? <laughs> But people questioning my leadership and getting angry at me for that type of thing. And so I've got like, I'm, I'm operating out of this hustle and this hurry to please. And I just want to say in the kingdom, it's better to be five minutes late and have, uh, have your friends offended than on time and have your daughter hurt. All right. So I'm, I'm seeing this moment as a, uh, as a warning light into my heart. I'm seeing this moment as, a, as th this, this place where God doesn't want to shame me. He wants to meet me. And he wants to call me into, some, in, into more biblical health. And I think that what is going on in the world right now doesn't require political reformation as much as spiritual reset. I just think the church needs to be reset. Um, I would love to see the juice and the energy that we're trying to change political things like into changing heart things. And I, I think that the fruit that comes out of it would be the church actually being the church again. Uh, I, the church is not at its best when it's, uh, when it's wild and yelling. 
angrily. The church is at its best when it's stopping for eight-year-old girls on steps and being Jesus in moments. So I think that God is calling us back to ancient paths. I think he's calling us back to actually being carriers of the Father's heart. I think he's calling us back to actually um, not just knowing about Jesus, but knowing Jesus, gnosko kind of knowing, experiential knowledge of Jesus, where the life of Jesus actually revolutionizes our lives, where we actually, we don't just know about him, but we know his heart, and as a result, we just stare at him long enough that we become like him, that we get enraptured by his glory, that we actually become a supernatural bride again, that we actually are doing the things that he did and becoming like the man that he is. And so this is in my heart for 40 days. 40 days in my heart, if, if this is what it is for you when you hear this, is like, oh man, like been there, done that, like whatever, like ah, just don't do it. I don't care. I'm not gonna be calling every person in the church and saying, send me your fasting schedule and let me for approval. Yeah? That's not how I roll. That's not how we lead around here. It's just, it's an invitation into this. And if you're not at the place that you can, or if maybe you've got a, a physical issue or something where fasting from food is, is not good for you, don't do it. This is not you scoring points with God, okay? But I do think that there's gonna be some, some things that fasting reveals, like these warning lights. Fasting just reveals things in the heart. And I do think that there's gonna be some things that we need to see and that then we need to receive, that God is going to do. So it's reveal, receive, and I already forget that point. It was, it was I had three R's there for a second. I just lost them. But uh, yeah, so... So I want to talk just for a moment about the reality that fasting reveals what's in the heart, okay? And then I don't want us to run away from that revelation and just run to like a pudding cup and say, that hurt, man, I hate that, this will make me feel better, all right? Or maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit does something in your heart today and you're like, oh man, good, good thing it's the first week of the NFL season, at least I can, I can forget what Holy Spirit said to me and I can watch the Washington football team make their, you know, their, you know, their best year ever, all right? Their playoff run, all right? We watch Chase Young do what he does, and we can just forget about what God did at church. And I, that, is what we, that is what we tend to do. We take these good things like pudding cups and football games, all right, these things that I think Jesus would enjoy with us, but we actually use them as the goal or as the, as the I don't know, the insulation against or from what the Holy Spirit actually wants us to do. Okay, so fasting reveals what is in you. I want to read this, this quote from uh, a book that is uh, really interesting to me. And this is, uh, just, just listen here. This is from, one, uh, from a theologian that I highly respect. And it says this. It says, Christian fasting is a test to see what desires control us. What are our bottom line passions? In, in his chapter on fasting and the celebration of discipline, Richard Foster says, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We cover up what is inside us with food and other things. Psychologically, the sort of... of Psychologically, that sort of thing is spoken of a lot today, especially in regard to people who have had much pain in their lives. We would say they medicate their pain with food. They anesthetize themselves uh, to the hurt inside by eating. But this is not some rare technical syndrome. All of us do it, everybody. 
no exceptions. We all ease our discomfort using food and cover our unhappiness by setting our eyes on dinner time, which is why fasting exposes all of us, our pain, our pride, our anger. Foster continues, if pride controls us, it will be revealed almost immediately. David says, I humbled my soul with fasting, Psalm 35, 13. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, strife, fear, if they are within us, they will surface during fasting. And he goes on. And I, I could keep going, but I don't want to. I want to go eat pudding <laughs> after that. Um, so fasting is like a, a refiner's fire. And what it does is when we get hungry, it begins to be an access point to where we're angry or where we're bitter or where we're upset or where we're something other than Jesus. All right. In fact, we've adopted terminology today that says, you know, don't mind me, I'm hangry. I'm not myself before I eat. You know, don't talk to me before I've had my coffee. These are all little things. I remember a few years ago when my kids were young, um, Adrian and I had two hours because we had two hours from our babysitter. We had two hours to go out to eat. We, we wanted to just go. It had been a long time since we've actually sat across a, a dinner table and been able to have an uninterrupted conversation. We wanted to go to somebody, some place that was outside of Hanover, so we drove about 15 minutes outside of Hanover. We had reservations. It was a nice place. Uh, and then we thought, okay, we got 90 minutes here because then 15 minutes back, and then we don't have to pay the, you know, the, the extra rate of the babysitter, whoever. You know. That's what grandparents do. They're like, charge you hard. You know? so, but uh, the <laughs> The, uh, anyway, the, uh, actually, no, not at all. They're uh, wonderful. But I remember we, we, went to this, we went to this restaurant, and there was a line of people, and I felt really good that I made a reservation. We walked past the line of people. We sit down, and they asked us, you know, what do you want? And then Adrian and I, we said we want waters, which I think offended the server. <laughs> and, uh, and so basically making a 90-minute story 90 seconds, um, we saw this appetizer come through, and normally we don't order them, but it looked so good that we ordered one. We said, we're, we're going to live on the edge with Jesus tonight, and we ordered this appetizer. took 30 minutes to get to the table, all right? And then we hadn't even ordered yet, and we eat this appetizer, and I have to flag down our server, who's still offended by our water thing, um, and, and I said, we haven't, we haven't ordered yet. And so they, they come back, and, and we order, and by now we're watching the people that were in line past us, sitting down and already eating, and I am getting what I'm calling hangry, all right? I'm just, and Adrian's like, calm down, calm down. I'm like, no, I, I need to talk to the manager. My arm couldn't stop doing this. I don't know why. A manager, and so like, like we're, we're waiting, and the, the manager comes over, and I really share my heart, Jesus style, all right, with the manager, and I, and I explained to her that, you know, we didn't get an appetizer for 30 minutes, and now we've waited 45 minutes, and we still haven't gotten our entree, and, and these, these people have all sat down, and they're already eating before we are, and blah, 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 and so what? What she, and that, then I explained, we don't have time to eat now, so we're leaving your institution hangry, all right? So we had to get up. They still charged us for the app. <laughs> and so I want to I tell you what restaurant it was, but that wouldn't be how Jesus does it, you know? So actually, you know what Jesus would do is I tell you, and we all go there and we just tip wildly, all right? That would be kingdom. But, um, but what we did is, is we left without, we left a restaurant wanting to eat without eating. That was like a supernatural fast that was unplanned, but Jesus instituted to show me that I'm not hangry, I'm angry. 
all right? So we, we dodge what's in our hearts by saying, no, I was just hungry. But if you can't be happy with no food in your belly, you have problems, spiritually speaking, okay? And fasting, the eating is not the problem. Fasting is revealing what is in there. So, so when, if you decide to fast, and you, you, know, you don't eat from, let's say, nine o'clock the night before, and it gets to about 11.15 the next day, and you're starting to say, man, I would love a sandwich. But then you say, but I'm fasting today. And then what you have to do is you have to decide, am I gonna trust a sandwich to satisfy this desire, or am I going to go to Jesus by whom and in whom I was made for to get to some places that not eating is inviting Jesus into? All right? I think, so, so food is one of these places, but we're also at a place where fasting, not just from food, but listen, fasting from media actually does the same thing. And so if you're on a certain medication that you can't fast from food, listen, media will do the same thing in these days because I think most of us have, have come to the place where I don't feel right. It's like, it's like Facebook or Insta or whatever you view is our coffee now. We have to have it. We could make t-shirts that say, don't talk to me before I've, you know, before I've flipped through my you know, social media feeds. We just don't even feel normal unless we see it first. I, some people actually, statistically speaking, some people wake up in the middle of the night and flip through. You know, some people, it's the first thing that you do, you roll out of bed, before you're out of bed, before you say hi to the Holy Spirit. You say hi to posts and then feel like you have the right and the wisdom to speak to some of them, all right? So this is, so I would say this, like fasting from food, but fasting from whatever you're relying on for your happiness is the call of God in these days. Because really, really, this is, you're not gonna be more spiritual by not eating or not scrolling, all right? But what happens is you can be more satisfied by letting go of those things and welcoming Jesus to do what he's always wanted to do. And where we stop using substitutes that we were not made for. They, they are, they're the, the, you know, they're the, the fruit, but they're not the giver. They're the gift, but not the giver. And so I think that we have constructed a Christianity and we've, we're, we live in a society where we actually try to satisfy ourselves with gifts and we really don't know much about what it is to be actually satisfied by the giver. The gospel message that, that many of us have been raised on and many of us have received is this gospel message on how Jesus will rescue you from hell and get you to heaven. But we haven't heard a gospel message that actually says this, that Jesus doesn't just want to rescue you, but he wants to satisfy you. And he doesn't want to satisfy you with stuff. He wants to satisfy you with him. That is why, that is why around here we're talking about receiving Jesus as treasure. Because the gospel invitation is not use Jesus to get to heaven. The gospel invitation is use Jesus to get Jesus. So he's the means and the goal. You see this? Use Jesus, the means, to get to heaven. So heaven is your goal, mansions are your goal, family reunions are your goal, putting cups for eternity, your goal, right? But here the, the gospel is, do you want Jesus? It's not, do you want to go to heaven? The gospel is, do you want Jesus? Do you want Jesus? And faith is not just a mental assent to what Jesus did on the cross, but faith is actually 
wanting him as well. It includes desires. And so we've created theologies that, that, you know, that actually say desire is bad. But do you know that biblically, God fashioned you to be a desire factory? C.S. Lewis says that the problem is not that we desire too much, but too little. So I want to say, activate desire, and then aim those desires at Jesus. We should be much more desirous. It is not spiritual to feel nothing. It is actually, it is trouble. That is a warning light on your dash. You fasted so long from God that you don't even feel anything for him anymore. All right? So this is, we've been fasting from God instead of fasting to climb in his lap. And we've replaced him with so many other things. So this is, this is what, what is on my heart for fasting, that we would get rid of the stuff that is actually blocking us from intimacy with him, and that we would get comfortable with words like intimacy with this man, and that we would begin to walk into his presence and actually want to see his glory manifest on the earth. And actually want to see him changing people's hearts and lives, even if it means discomfort. Because let's face it, fasting is an exercise in discomfort. But some of these, there are necessary discomforts for the greater comfort, meaning Jesus himself. So fasting reveals what your, what your desires are. And then it reveals that not to make you feel bad. Nobody has ever changed by feeling bad for long. All right? That is, that feeling bad or shame is not the, the heartbeat of transformation. The heartbeat of transformation is staring into the face of Jesus and seeing how good he is and, and basking in his glory and then becoming like him as a result. All right? So fasting reveals. But it, let me tell you this, that fasting also declares. Let me just tell you what it declares. It declares a lot of things, but here's the main thing. It declares God is the goal. God is the goal. Or in the, I don't know what song, uh, you know, I don't know who wrote the song, but I just want you, I just want you. That's like one of the most beautiful worship songs there is because that is at the heart of worship. Of all these other things that I could want, I just want you. And in fact, worship this morning was stupendously spectacular. Right? Like when you, when you look, it's not the sound of the songs, it's the content of the ones we sang, right? You know, it's just like, worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. That is a feast for the soul, right? And what was that last song, like that Vineyard song from like 1913 or something? Whatever that, that what was that? You know, like, yeah, I can't even think right now. It was so good. But this is, what was that, yeah, the, the silver or gold one, right? See, this is, it's when we, the best thing that we can tell God is I want you more than anything else. God, it's Psalm 63, the love of God is better than life. So fasting declares, God, you're my goal. I, I want you. I just want you. Now, John chapter 4, um, starting with verse 10, Jesus is talking to a woman of Samaria, and they're having a theological conversation, and she's trying to eat pudding instead of go deep. And, uh, and so, but, uh, but it's all around a well, and she's at the well in the heat of the day instead of the cool of the day out of shame, all right? Now, Jesus meets her in her shame place. Interestingly, that's where he loves to meet you and speak a new destiny over your heart and your life. And here is a part of the conversation that Jesus is having with this lady. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, 
you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to, her, to, said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? In verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and, and his livestock. Guys, this is, this is somebody that, whose eyes aren't open to the greatness of Jesus yet, and it's someone that has just learned how to argue theologically, all right? Uh, 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 you know, theologically arguing can be a great smoke screen from Jesus. <laughs> And Jesus keeps getting through the screen, all right? And look at verse 13. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I give, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So what Jesus is doing here is he's doing a whole lot of things, but here's one of the many beautiful things that he's doing is that Jesus is declaring himself as the satisfier of our souls, not water. Just simple as that. This lady's drinking water. Jesus is using water that, you know, that, that we need in a certain sense, but Jesus is going past the physical need for water, but is using the desire for it and the need for it to focus this lady's heart and our heart's praise on the spiritual reality that Jesus offers water that will satisfy. He says, physical water, you have to keep coming back to the watering hole, but this water will come from within you, speaking of the Holy Spirit that has, we're in relationship with God. All right, so that's John. John chapter seven, verse 37, Jesus, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Now, this was a week's worth of drinking. You ever think about that? Why would you not say, hey, if anyone's thirsty, you know that physical thirst that you have right now at the beginning of the feast? Hey, I've got something better. Let's convert that physical thirst into spiritual thirst on the first day. But Jesus waits till the last day because here's the reality. We drank all week and still need a drink. And so Jesus is saying, listen, like I, you, you need to drink physically, but the physical lack of satisfaction should point you to me. It should point you to me. If anyone's thirst, let him come to me and drink. And then John chapter six, verse 20, John chapter six, I don't know what, what verse it is, but Jesus, well, let's just read this for a moment. I've got a, a few more minutes. I'll, I'll cut back somewhere else. I think you need to hear this. This is John chapter six, starting with verse 25. This is after Jesus has just fed the, the 5,000 men and probably the 15,000 women and tr children. So he's just supernaturally fed 20,000 people about and they want more bread and so they find out where Jesus is across the lake. And Jesus says to them in verse 25 of John chapter six, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. Stop there, Baptist. <laughs> for a second at least. So signs are good. Okay, Jesus wanted them to be seeking him because of the signs he was operating in, all right? But because you ate your fill of the loaves, do not labor for the food that perishes. In, order, in other words, he's saying you're seeking me not for spiritual reasons, but because I gave you bread. 
You see this? And then he jumps all the way down. There's so much good stuff here. He jumps all the way down. Look at verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The physical bread is just supposed to point you to me, but it doesn't satisfy. You try to satisfy your life on physical things, but those physical things are gifts, and they're supposed to open up your eyes to the goodness of the giver. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So listen, we have to start seeing Jesus as not someone who just doles out gifts to keep us going, but as someone who gives gifts so our spiritual eyes would be open that the giver is better than the gift, and he is the one who promises to satisfy. Belief in Jesus is not only mental assent to his claims. It's not only mental assent to historical facts. If that is as 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 deep as your Theology is on what biblical belief or biblical faith is. Keep studying. All right? But biblical belief in Jesus is not just agreeing with the historicity of Jesus, but that Jesus is the satisfier of my soul that this God-shaped vacuum has been screaming for since the womb. Wanting something more than this life. Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in our hearts. And then the the whole wrestling match with Ecclesiastes is I've got a desire inside of me that nothing outside of me can satisfy. And once again, C.S. Lewis says this, and I don't have this written down, so I'm just going from memory here, but he says something, if, if you find that nothing in this world will satisfy you, then the only, you know, understandable reality is that you were made for a different world. All right? So this is, this is, fasting does this. It starts saying, you know what? This burger will be nice for a moment, but it won't satisfy me completely. I was made by Jesus, and I was, and I will only be satisfied in him for who he is for me. Jesus' invitation to people is to see him, and as a result, be satisfied in him. This, we have to get back to this as the invitation of the gospel. We, we love saying it's all about Jesus, but it better start being about Jesus when it comes to the gospel that we're, that we're doling out. I, I like that one, I don't know. So God made you and I to desire, and he created our hearts to be desire factories ultimately to, to desire him. Some of my life verses, Psalm 27, 4, one thing have I asked. This is my one desire. I want to sit at your feet, in your house, in your presence. Psalm 84, 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Philippians 3, 7 through 11, where Paul uh, basically says, everything that I could have had in this world is trash, and you are it for me, and that's it. All right? This is Christianity. And it's hard to disciple people who just want heaven but don't want Jesus. That, the, that is the harder problem in the church, all right? So we are prone to missing God for the gift rather than seeing the gift as an extension of his heart and wanting him as a result of the gift, all right? So if, if I save all year to get my wife a great Christmas present and the, she, she literally loves the present more than me, well, that's not how it's supposed to work. Right? That's not how it is. Vice versa, and with your kids and with your spouses and with people. I know my Graham died during the COVID pandemic. And we couldn't have a funeral for her. It was not healthy. 
my Graham is someone that we, we remember as uh, someone who poured her love and affection over us in the kitchen, all right? And she was the kind of Graham that she'd be cooking it and it'd be smelling like heaven from about 9.30 in the morning until dinner time. And she was also not the kind of Graham that if you came in the kitchen looking for like a little taste of the heaven that she was working on, she'd slap you and say, you're gonna ruin your dinner. She knew that, you know, Nathan and Philip can't have their dinner ruined with a snack, all right? So, so she, she would be the kind of person you walk through and you're not even expecting it and she's jamming turkey in your mouth. You're like, wow, thanks. And that's the best pepperoni I've ever had. Like, whoa, did you like, whoa. And she was just this kind of lady that you actually, you, you can't really remember her without, without her love language of cooking. Like we had, I remember we, we sat down to a, a, a Christmas dinner once and she had like Cornish hens for everybody. You're like, wow, a, a whole bird all for me. You know, she made, she made everyone just feel so great and she did it with so much grace. And the, the food was tremendous, but here's, here's, what, here's what was better than the food, all right? It was the extension of my Graham's heart. See, the cook is in the kitchen, but it's not the ultimate desire. Imagine this, imagine how, how horribly rude it would be if we turn, instead of, instead of seeing my Graham as the, as the heart behind the meal, instead of seeing my Graham as, as, the, you know, as, as the, the, this being an extension of her, Imagine if we just turned her into a servant and turned her into a nothing and we made everything about Cornish hens and puddings. And we say, Graham, give me more of that. Graham, give me more of that. Graham, give me more of that. Instead of like, let's give Graham a standing ovation. This is the best meal we've ever had. You rock. And we're used to consuming. But if you consume something good, it came from a creative, wonderful person. And we're not used to thanking the person. And in this case, we're not used to saying, God, this food is amazing. It's, it's, but it's, you know, if the food is good, how good is the giver of it? And we're so used to just consuming the gift instead of having the gift springboard us to the glory of the Father's heart. So it's, it's wrong to worship food and use the cook as a servant. It's right, right to toast the cook and say, what a fantastic meal. You're amazing. We just want to thank you so much for all the love that you've put into this. So food and pleasures are a gift from God, and we should enjoy them. Like, you know, we should enjoy them wildly and, and excitedly. We, we shouldn't be ashamed to eat. We should eat and, and have a fun time doing it. But the kingdom design is that the gifts aren't the end. The gifts are the beginning to celebrating the giver. They're the window into the heart of God. That's what food is for. It's, to, it's actually not to satisfy long-term. It, it, is, it is to awaken desire for the giver. Now, some of us may be saying, well, what do I fast from? Okay, and I would just say this. This is very simple, I think, in a, in a kingdom biblical understanding. You fast from anything and everything that you run to before or in place of Jesus. That's, it's, it's very simple. What do I use in my life to have enjoyment of instead of Jesus. I think a lot of us, you know, I grew up, you know, being, you gotta do your devotions and you gotta do your devotions. And sometimes, like, I, I remember people in my life actually forcing me to do devotions when I didn't want to, you know, and that actually awakened desire. So I'm not saying just the discipline of it is bad all the time, but I'm saying the mentality that I'm doing devotions and checking this thing off my list so Jesus will like me is, is heresy. 
all right? And so, so I, I would say this, that, that, you know, whatever you're used to going to to kind of satisfy your heart so then you can go to God, so you're not thinking about that, I would say get rid of that and go to God. And you can go back to that when you're healthy with Jesus. And then you probably have to check in with God on a fast, saying, God, I just wanna, just wanna test my heart, see what's in it, just gonna put this phone over here, you know? I'm just gonna put it over here, and then you go with God, and when it dings, if you run into it, like, oh, oh my, someone just posted, it's someone's birthday, someone's birthday. So, okay, wow, it's so glad you know that. So, but if, if you just can't do that, like, you know, if you can't put your phone, if you can't turn your, off, your phone off for 24, 24 hours, all right, then I would just say fast from it, fast, in a hurry, in a hurry. And, and just say, so with food, media, social, uh, if, if something is uh, life-altering is coming into your life and you're used to calling a friend before you hit your knees and talk to Jesus, get rid of that. Get rid of your phone a friend. Talk to your friend after you've talked to Jesus, right? Uh, get rid of checking email before you open the scriptures in the morning. Like, you know, it's just gonna stress you out. Like, there, there's some little things. Like, so you can't just like, well, I'm generating, you know, a, a prayer list by checking. No, you're not. It's, it's, it's distraction. You weren't made to start your day by, but with information from other people. You, you were made to start your day with the Father. Okay, like, so this is the, these things. And just, I would just sit down with the Holy Spirit and I would, I would just like make a list. Like, what are things that I run to before I run to you, God? And so how, how are you inviting me into just practically speaking? So here's what I'm doing. Um, I am, uh, during this 40-day fast, I'm fasting for 40 hours a week. Sometime during the week where it would be like, so the evening of one day, and then I'm, I'm gonna end my 40-day fast with uh, like Shabbat dinner on Sunday night. That's my Shabbat dinner. It comes from the word Sabbath. I'm just gonna celebrate because then Monday is my Sabbath. The end of you know, Sunday night into Monday is my Sabbath day. And so I'm just gonna celebrate and I'm gonna eat things on, on Monday and my Sabbath day, right? And so, but you need to figure out what does that look like for you? Like, so I'm gonna fast for 40 hours. And then the other days though, I'm just gonna do some intermittent fasting. I'm gonna skip some meals and I'm gonna have a little window on, on where I'm going to eat, but I'm, I'm just going to get more in tune with the voice of God instead of the voice of the fridge, okay? Now, I think that one of the results is going to be better hearing from the Holy Spirit, okay? That it is, it's going to result in that. <laughs> when, and so it, here's where I get that. Acts, look at this, Acts chapter 13, verses two and three. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, okay? While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. This is the leadership of the uh, Antioch church. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them, okay? And then they didn't stress like, oh my gosh, holy cats, we gotta set them apart. Ah strategy session, how are we gonna implement? Ah. Look at this. Then, after fasting and praying again, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Like this is, they said they're fasting and praying. That's the context that the Holy Spirit speaks. And then they fast and pray more. What we're, we, we, have, we have to read the Bible and say, oh, this is how you do it. See, I thought that a pastor was a CEO. No, no. See, I thought that you know, a leader was a, you know, what, no. If, if you're gonna be leading in, in the house of God, like we have to get ancient again. 
We have to be people of prayer. We have to be people that know just what it is to have intimacy with God. Like, I'm excited about it. And I think that a lot of good things, you know what this is gonna do? It's gonna take us deep, deeper. I think that should be a cry as we're fasting and praying. Just like, you know, what, whether you come and use the prayer room, I'm telling you, an hour in the prayer room will, will just be, be beautiful for your soul. Your soul will be like, more please, all right? But uh, I think God's calling us to deeper depths so we can go higher. If you just go wide and then try to go high, eventually the tree falls over or the building falls over. Deep roots mean massive kingdom impact. And so these are days where we just need to go deep and we need to learn what it is to be friends again. We need to learn what it is to uh, actually care about, have compassion for people in the world. 40% of the buildings in Haiti fell down to an earthquake. We fly by that info fast. Like there's things that are on God's heart that we don't hear anymore. And we have to get back to his heart. You wanna get back to his heart in these days, right? The, the, uh, the Jordan Riley, the, this 40 day devotional is beautiful. It's simple and it's beautiful. It'd be a huge thing. We only have 20 of them, so get there fast and like fight your mom for them, I'm telling you. Like it's, yeah, you need that. And then Krista Prey wrote up this beautiful, Krista Prey is, is a pioneer of, of worship and fasting in the church for decades, all right? And he has a beautiful list of kind of like, you know, fasting, uh, how to fast healthily, all right? And so we have some resources that we wanna get into your hands and they're accessible today and we can email them to you and stuff. Just let us know at the Connections booth. But let's do this before we rush out, okay? Let's, uh, let's take a moment here. Can we just quiet our hearts? Can we actually just close our eyes? We close our eyes so we're not looking at anything else but Jesus and let's just close and say, Jesus, if you're calling me deeper, then I wanna go there. I just, I just pray, God, that in my heart and in our hearts, God, that we would not just do quick apologies when, we, when we're, we're, we're choosing our pace and our hurry over children that are hurting around us, God. When we're, we're, we, we, we don't even, we're misconstrued when it even comes to what it is to follow Jesus. We just thought it was a heartless decision so we wouldn't go to hell. It's more than that. God, we wanna be in touch with the gospel of the kingdom again. We wanna be in touch with the, the pace of your heart and the compassion of your heart. We wanna be in touch, God, with having fun with one another. But we, we wanna be in touch with Jesus as the satisfier and the treasure and the goal again, God. So I pray that that's what you do in the season. God, just pour it out. Surprise us with glory. Surprise us with presence. Surprise us with Holy Spirit visitation. Wake us up in the night, God. Do, do whatever it takes, God, to stir our hearts awake again in this season. So we just bless you and we thank you, not just for what you're doing, not just for what you're going to do, but we're gonna thank you for you right now. We bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 